0: This is AM Rush Sports. I'm your host, Alex Mitchell. Today we're going to AM New York Metro Sports Editor Joe Pantorno to talk about Major League Baseball's plan of return for hopefully by this July. And in the process, we're also going to talk about what we can do as ordinary people to help get sports and quite frankly, the rest of our normal lives back. Joe, we're going to go to you now. Joe, it seems like there is starting to be a light at the end of the tunnel for sports. The MLB is currently discussing a plan to return, not just return, but return within about six or seven weeks. Talk to us about what you know about that.
1: Yeah, Alex, uh, some promising news. Uh, Again, though, it has to be kind of – the brakes have to be pumped on it, I guess you'd have to say, on uh, Monday – Major League Baseball had its proposal for its 2020 return approved by team owners. Um, So basically that was, you know, the brainchild of Rob Manfred and his crew um, put together what they thought would be the best way for the league to return in a timely manner. They went to the owners and they said, "Okay." Um, So kind of to quickly highlight what the deal is for now is uh, it would be a 78 to 82 game season uh, that would start anywhere between July 1st and July 4th. There would be a spring training uh, starting in mid-June to ramp everybody up and I guess to ensure that the players can kind of acclimate to life in the MLB again. Um, Yeah, games will be played at the home ballparks without fans. If there are cities that are still heavily affected, uh, which is big news for, say, us here in New York, um, then there is the possibility of the teams being Relocated temporarily to either their spring training facilities or to a uh, to another major league ballpark, and um, yeah. So then, after, you know, they'll do their truncated regular season, and then they will expand the playoff teams uh, to seven per league. Um, they won't disband the American and National League for the time being. Uh, basically, every team in the league will play their divisional opponents and their geographical opponents. Uh, so, for example, the Mets will play their NL East opponents, and then they'll have two three game series against every other team in the American League East. Um, and then the top seed in each league gets a bye week in the playoffs. They miss the wild card round. They go straight to the division series. And then the top well, then the other two division winners and the number one wild card seed they have playoff series against the bottom three wild card seeds. Uh, It's a best-of-three series, and then they kind of go into the more traditional um, MLB playoff format. But I guess it's more easier said than done. Uh, Monday, it was easily passed through ownership because they obviously want to get back as quick as possible. But today, and we're speaking on Tuesday here, um, they are presenting it to the Major League Baseball Players Association. And they're going to have a few qualms about this proposal, and really much of it predicates on – Uh, revenue sharing and payments um, and compensation so basically what the owners uh, and the league want to do is to split revenue Uh, so whatever money comes in through television broadcasting and sponsorships they split either 50 50 or 48 52 with uh, the players will split with the owners Um, and again that's At the end of the day, that means a lot of players are going to take a pay cut. So basically what uh, the Players Association is going to try to do is fight for a prorated salary where players get a little more of the cut and um, possibly some extra hazard pay. Uh, Again, which is easier said than done. There's probably going to be plenty of pushback on it, which means there might not be a resolution today or even tomorrow, um, but at least there's a, something in place. And, it, again, it puts the Players Association in a bad spot and it makes them kind of coming out to look like the bad guys here. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now, and uh, hopefully they can resolve it at least for uh, for the fans. But, again, it's ensuring the health and well-being of the the players and the staff and the coaches where, you know, that's priority number one.
0: Of course, and when you look around globally, so many so many countries that have tried opening up prematurely, I guess is the best way to put it, are now going into more intense lockdowns. So we're seeing that jumping the gun on this could backfire severely. But something that you and I and the editor of AM New York Metro, Rob Pozaricki, we all talked about a few weeks ago were ways on how to potentially bring baseball back and it seems like in one way or another they're taking at least one point from each of us and putting it into into the new criteria and to major league baseball I'm not one that likes to say I told you so I'm one that loves to say I told you so so I have the story up in front of me and I quote Rather than trying to normalize the strange scenario of an overload of double headers and other season condensing methods, acknowledge what this is and make a half season truly exhilarating in the sense that each game counts. Now, we all have another, we all have so many other great points that we make in this. One that I'm really, really stoked about, which I thought no one in their right mind was going to be on board for, was doing a best of three playoff. And this is like you know, everyone check your cell service providers because I called that one. And I proposed doing it as a double header game where if there's a tie, the next day you just play a third tie-breaking game, but you try to do it all in one day. I thought that that would be an exciting test run and could even make for a fun wild card way down the road. Like, that's the thing about this season is experimenting really can't hurt you right now there's so much there's no there's no normal anymore at least for what's going to be about a year maybe more hopefully hopefully less but at least in the sports realm you're looking at nothing being normal nothing being predictable so you might as well test out new options and opportunities and if they fluke It will be overlooked just given the set of circumstances. So I'm curious to see if a best of three playoff is something that's going to be repetitively used in more, for lack of a better term, normal times. And something else that I want to get your thoughts on, what have you seen other sports leagues doing now in about early May as far as, continuing or bringing back their seasons or considering starting in the fall?
1: Well, it's, it, it, it's, the, the waters are a little murky here, I guess I'd have to say. Um, a couple of nights ago, it was announced that the AHL, which is uh, the National Hockey League's top minor league, uh, it announced that it was canceling the rest of its season. There would be no playoffs. There would be no champion crowned. Um, it kind of is what it is, and I think that kind of made a lot of people perk up uh, when they made the realization that, hey, you know what, if the AHL is doing this, well, does that mean that the NHL is considering taking such a uh, taking such an avenue? We haven't heard anything to that effect yet. Um, last week, Bill Daly kind of um, put forth a memo to league owners, kind of outlining a way for the league to return. Um, But really, it was more addressing the draft uh, and things like that. So uh, for the time being, we kind of see an NHL draft possibly happening June 5th or June 6th, which is probably going to happen before league play even resumes, if it should resume. Um, And that obviously creates a lot of anarchy because the draft order isn't set. Uh, The regular season isn't done yet. And we're still you know, final standings that need to be figured out and yet you're still going to have a draft with an order and you're going to give somebody a, you know, number one, two, three, four, five pick and, uh, you know, they haven't necessarily earned it yet. Um, So it's, uh, that's difficult in itself Um, and and the NHL is kind of treading, well, they're kind of walking a a tightrope here because that could get out of hand pretty quickly and, uh, you know, for rebuilding teams and and kind of teams that are on the cusp and on the brink, uh, this could have a big effect on them. As for the NBA, um, we did see that the Players Association is going to be polling its players on whether or not they even want to pursue the idea of coming back. We've seen the option of neutral sites being floated around out there, whether it was Las Vegas or if it was Disney World, but again we really haven't seen that concrete plan that say baseball is putting forth um, so again that that's cause for concern if you're a basketball fan and you want to see the league come back and resume and you know have a champion crowned in a way and um, again it's it's a lot of unknowns still and um, really out of nothing baseball suddenly has become the sport that has provided the most clarity and is making the most moves to get back to action and and they kind of have it easier i would say compared to the nba and the nhl just because uh mlb games for the most part they're outdoors the players are spaced apart well enough um you know there could be proper precautions kind of made where you know players are going to be close and there is going to be contact but it's not going to be at the same rate or as frequent as say the nba and the nhl
0: of course and going back to hockey for a second this is like the worst time for a new team to prepare to come into a league with the Seattle unnamed but hinted at that they'll be the Seattle Kraken. What what do you think this coronavirus crisis is impacting, not for Seattle so much, but for the league in terms of money and revenue that they need to dedicate to their expansion? And do you think that there's a little bit of fire under Gary Bettman right now that it's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're really getting hit hard. And what are we going to do with Seattle? Like, do you think that this could impact their joining the league at a timely manner?
1: Um, I, I, I would think that Seattle, you know, it's, the plan is still set, you know, everything's still on schedule. That being said, I'm sure that Gary Bettman and the NHL don't want to introduce a brand new team to a big sports market that would absolutely adore this franchise. Uh, they wouldn't want to introduce it during such a shaky time. And, you know, it's not just the NHL, but all the big sports leagues, they're going to be posting some pretty big losses. You know, the, uh, the introduction of the Seattle possibly Kraken uh, being pushed back, um, you know, it's, it seems like full speed ahead and it, it sounds like for the most part that the necessary uh, attributes needed, whether it's the arena, um, you know, the personnel, everything like that's in place. Um, So, luckily they kind of have another year to get this right and kind of get them all set up and ready to go, but uh, yeah, it's something definitely to keep an eye on, and it's obviously not the best time for a new team to be introduced, but uh, they'll have to figure it out. And, uh, you know, we'll be waiting. Uh, If there's a city that deserves a hockey team outside of Quebec. It's definitely Seattle.
0: I couldn't agree with you more there. And I've always been curious to imagine where else the NHL would go next. And it seems like, and this is really cool, despite Atlanta, it seems like the South has really picked up on hockey. I mean, you were able to have an outdoor game in the Cotton Bowl. You couldn't imagine that 30-something years ago. So the fact that hockey is becoming... Universal within a nation is something I personally really, really love to see. And going back to what you were saying about concerns over the draft, in a way with a further draft coming down the line, the expansion draft for Seattle, this NHL draft right now is almost pivotal in a way because players need to account, or teams rather, need to account that they're going to be losing personnel by way of Seattle coming in,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's uh you know that's kind of a bridge to cross when they get there, but luckily, uh, you know there's such a dilution of talent now that there are so many NHL teams that there are expendable players that these teams can kind of float out there, and we kind of saw it when Vegas broke into the league a few years back, um, if the teams don't necessarily have the financial means to cover the players that they want to have exempt. So say they have a couple of big-name players that are out there that are there for the taking. Um, They'll actually try and work out a deal with the expansion team, whether it's, you know, well, most of the time it's draft picks. So you can see Seattle accrue multiple, say, first-round draft picks just so they don't take one of uh, an existing team's bigger players that they have dangling out there. So that's always a fun little storyline to watch as a new team is being introduced. And we got a glimpse of that when Vegas came into the league. But uh, again, definitely something to look out on. And, um, you know, that allows Seattle to contend quicker than, you know, say older expansion teams would. You know, look what Vegas did in their first year. They made a Stanley Cup final. Um, So, you know, the NHL kind of has these, You know, uh, these guidelines kind of put in place where, you know, even though you're a brand new team, you don't necessarily have to be a doormat in the NHL for, you know, five years, 10 years before you kind of hit the mountain and start ascending.
0: Yeah, you're certainly right about that. And you saw that with San Jose, with the Florida Panthers. In the case of the Vegas Golden Knights, I think the greatest asset that they had during their pooling of taking the, the rest of the league's talent was more so in the front office and what they got from the New York Islanders, which was George McPhee, who I believe was assistant to the general manager. Yes, he was. And he became their GM. And just like that, he puts together a squad that goes to the Stanley cup final and, that just felt like Islanders' luck to me. You know what I mean when I say that?
1: <laughs> yes, I, I sure do. Whatever uh, you know, whatever could go wrong at that point was going wrong.
0: And it's just that to me is like the greatest Marvel "What If" scenario in Islanders' history. What if they got rid of Garth Snow and let McPhee just take over? Because when you really started hearing his name, it was around when Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty were signed. That was when it was like, okay, the gears are cooking. Real players want to start coming here. And then all of a sudden the Islanders start making the playoffs. And then boom, like that, he's gone. So, oh, man, I'm not bitter. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> no, you know, you, you have every right to be. But at least now there's uh, there's a little more competence in the front office. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's more to look forward to rather than, say, three or four years ago, where, yeah, it was Garth Snow pulling the strings, and it was, you know, it it, it wasn't a pretty sight. And uh, thankfully for the Islanders and their fans, uh, John Medeke and Scott Malkin came in. They kind of helped right the ship, and, you know, there's still obviously a long way to go until you can say that the Islanders are legitimate perennial contenders, but uh, at least the worm is turning and uh, in a good way for a change for them.
0: Yeah, one, one can only hope. But, you know, sometimes to uh, what it feels like, not just with the Islanders, but plenty of teams in New York, to quote George Costanza from Seinfeld, at times it just feels like, I told you God wouldn't let me be successful. Doesn't it? Don't you have that feeling sometimes? Like where these cataclysmic, unprecedented events will come down upon you in your hour of glory, just to murk it up.
1: Yeah, you know, I I feel like a lot of sports fans can say that over the years that they feel snake bitten and cursed, or you know, their stadium was built on a uh, ancient burial ground, and <laughs> all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, there are certain teams that seem to have all the luck, um, and New York kind of has that great dichotomy of teams that do get the luck a lot, you know, say the Yankees or the Giants, and then teams that don't get the luck a lot, like the Islanders and the Mets and Everyone the else. and the Jets. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky in New York that uh, we kind of get that contrast. And we have so many teams here to obsess over.
0: You're certainly right about that. And with the Yankees and Mets, it seems like either a neutral site, which... I don't know, where would that be, like Philly or Pittsburgh or somewhere more down south or just Florida?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they were, well, actually, that's difficult because you can make a case where you could put the team at their spring training facilities and it's theirs. Um, but then at the same time, you know, some might actually want to play at a major league party. Even though it's empty, you still kind of get the feel for it. Um, I actually spoke with Buck Showalter, the former manager of the Baltimore Orioles, a few weeks ago. And he said that, you know, um, playing with no fans, which his Orioles did uh, back in 2015 during the Baltimore protests, um, you know, it's going to grate on the players quickly. Like, it's one thing if it happens for one game or two games, that's fine. But if you're playing 70 or 80 games, that's going to take a toll on you. So... If you say put the Mets or the Yankees in a spring training facility, not only do you have no fans, but you're also playing in what feels like a minor league, uh, a minor league park. Granted, the clubhouse is you know major league ready and uh, has those kind of amenities. Uh, the park itself kind of has the minor league feel to it, and you know that's just the way it is. But um, you know, I, I feel like uh, and on a psychological basis, just to, uh, to offer just the tiniest glimpse of, hey, you know, these games matter, they count, Like we got to take them serious, Um, that might be the best bet. Obviously, it'll be weird to see the Mets playing in Philadelphia or, say, the Yankees playing in Boston, which I don't think would ever happen. But, um, you know, that's certainly a possibility if New York is still, uh, still the hot spot here.
0: And I know we talked about this last time. I still think that a good viable option for the Mets and Yankees, particularly now because the regions around it are literally starting to reopen and were approved by Governor Cuomo, put him in Cooperstown.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great idea. And uh, I've kind of been on board with that ever since you brought that up a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think players would jump at the idea, you know, playing at uh, playing right next to the hall of fame and, Double Day Field has its fair share of history, and a lot of greats have come in and come through and played there. So, um, you know, it, it would be a nice change of pace. Um, you know, I think it really depends on if the facilities would be able to maintain a major league team for that long. Um, and, you know, the town itself really doesn't provide much uh, in terms of things to do away from the ballpark, and granted, they'll probably be isolated regardless, but, um, you know, Cooperstown's a pretty sleepy place when, uh, you know, outside of Hall of Fame weekend and, uh, you know, a few weeks in the summer. So um, I don't know how many people would, you know, how many players would jump at the opportunity, but, um, you know, for nostalgic purposes and from a fan's point of view, that would be pretty cool.
0: I certainly agree with you there. And also, like you're saying, if you're playing in Cooperstown, it doesn't necessarily feel like a simulation or a spring training game. It may not be your home, but you're still in a a magical place in the baseball realm, not somewhere that pitchers and catchers report to in the dead of winter just to give people optimism. And the other thing about Cooperstown is there's less of a travel strain it's easier for players to keep in touch and see their families in the New York area from Cooperstown as opposed to Florida or as opposed to another city. And for people that aren't willing to make the four-hour, sometimes more, drive up to Cooperstown from around New York City, there's an airport right there, so it's easy to fly into. And also, if you're keeping it geographically centric, Putting it in upstate New York, well, that's a heck of a lot closer to Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. than sunny Florida is.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, I think if uh, if this were older times and there were teams in Florida, um, that would be considered even more. Um, but there, obviously there's going to be some travel, unfortunately, and I think a lot of players are going to be hesitant about that, having to get on plane so often. But, um, you know, the Mets are still going to have to play the Marlins in Miami, and uh, the Yankees will still have to play the Rays down in Tampa. Um, so, yeah, I guess, it, it, you know, having them up in Cooperstown would cut out that, you know, another Florida trip for a lot of the Northern teams. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be a hard decision, but hopefully, um, you know, baseball and Governor Cuomo can kind of come up with a system to ensure uh, proper isolation and well-being where teams can safely travel into New York um, and not be, uh, I guess, molested in a way where they just have kind of free reign and uh, they're in quick and they're out quick and, uh, you know, it's tactical. But, uh, you know, there's a a lot of other – scenarios and situations that are atop the list of priorities, unfortunately.
0: Of course, and it makes perfect sense. And just what you were saying with Showalter really made me think about the off-field technicality, technicalities or logistics that come with what's going to be a really weird year. And if you've been watching Korean baseball, after you get past the first three or four innings where you're just excited to see a live sporting event, you realize how lopsided the games are. And even if sports come back, there needs to be a little grace period that we're not going to see the world's most exciting games for a little bit just given all the simulations and and all the strange stuff. I mean, how odd is it going to be when you hear a silent walk-off home run?
1: yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird um and uh, I'll tell you what it'll probably be a little weirder for the players um than it will be for the viewers at home because they'll be at home watching the game on TV they'll be celebrating as they normally would um, meanwhile the players at the big moment and they realize uh you know oh I have to watch what I say it might be picked up by the TV cameras or media members oh, might Jesus, hear it or right. you know the other team can. Can hear me really easily, um, so that's going to be uh, it. It's going to be a very tough um, acclimation period for baseball players, just because honestly they can they can say they've never played in empty stadiums in their lifetimes uh, mm-hmm. from little league up. There's always been somebody there watching, um, so it's it's going to be very weird for them, and I think at times it's going to be difficult for them to keep their heads in the game and to stay as motivated as normal. Um, so it's going to be, you know, it'll be weird, but at, at least in terms of um, the league, they know that whatever they put on, whatever product, uh, it's going to be eaten up. And TV revenues are going to be huge. Um, and sponsorships will probably be thanking their lucky stars that baseball's back. So, you know, there, there, there won't be a shortage of viewership and I think there won't be a shortage of passion for MLB games because at the end of the day, these fans are still watching their favorite teams play. Uh, It's just obviously not from the ballpark. So to them, it's going to matter. To the players, it's just going to be completely different. It's going to be like playing on a different planet.
0: You're certainly right about that. And uh, I just... I'm very curious to hear what the Houston Astros dugout is going to sound like in sheer quiet when you hear the uh garbage can being banged. But
1: yeah, they're going to they're going to have a mic uh, a microphone like right there, you know that. And uh you know what? they're probably very thankful uh that they're getting a temporary reprieve from the uh, from the chastising that's coming their way, um, but it's going to happen at some point. It's delaying the inevitable. But
0: oh, let's call uh, it what I it mean, is. It's a stay of execution. They're still going to the chair.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, Yankee fans can't wait, along with Dodgers fans, for sure.
0: Honestly, even if I'm a Mets fan, I wanna, I wanna get these guys. I think you know the only benefit right now that Houston is um, has is that. They've missed about two months of pitches being thrown at them, so their bodies have had a chance to heal.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. And uh, but, like you said, baseball fans in general, you know, this didn't just obviously. It's it's going to hurt the Yankees and the Dodgers a little more because they were directly affected by it. But oh yeah, you know, baseball baseball's path, its history is always tricky because at the end of the day, it's. It's a trust, you know. It violates United States antitrust laws. It's it's this monopoly. It's this gargantuan, untouchable giant oil, Um that is, you know, has been sometimes corrupt and has taken advantage of the American public at times. Um, and yet, there's still a certain aspect of purity when you talk about baseball, and it is, you know, this ultimate competition, and it is the holy grail of American athletics because it was this country's invention and whatnot. Um, So I think a lot of baseball fans were hurt just by, you know, that betrayal. There's that feeling of, you know, that there's a traitor in their midst. And, uh, you know, you always hear about it, you hear the rumors, but the fact that it was presented to you right on a silver platter, as clear as day, uh, you know, that probably hurt a lot of baseball fans. And, yeah, wherever the Astros go outside of Houston, uh, they're going to hear it. You no, know, even
0: inside of Houston, I can say as someone who's followed the New York Yankees, if a big scandal came out that the Yankees had some elaborate unauthorized cheating system, I would be hanging my hat up for a little bit. I'd be disappointed. I really would. It would be tough to support my own troops then.
1: Yeah, and I you know, it's you're you're an objective fan obviously and and that's uh that's not as easy to come by and i think because unfortunately we spend a lot of time on twitter there are a ton of astros sympathizers out there and obviously they're astros fans uh, but i would have no there would be no surprise if you know once the fans came back in the ballpark and you turn on an astros game you know they're welcomed back as heroes, as the you know by the fans and given standing ovations, and uh, you know kind of like what uh, to a much lesser extent because it's a it's a different circumstance in a way. But when John Taveras returned to play the Islanders, and he was mercilessly booed. Like the next home game, or like a week later, the Maple Leafs had like a John Taveras night, where you know they were. Uh, You know, they had a little ceremony for him and they honored him for being a Maple Leaf and everything like that. It's obviously a different story, but, you know, I feel like a lot of Astros fans are going to take that responsibility of, okay, well, when you're home in Houston, we're going to try and shield you from all the bad. And, uh, you know what, they might look the other way. uh, Because, really, what have the Astros done outside of the past five years? Well, not much.
0: Yeah, they uh, shortened their dimensions in the field when they got rid of the hill they changed league so they would have a dh and then they started cheating to win a championship
1: yeah that's, that's the last uh, 10 years of astros ball. Night. yeah it's uh you know that's you can make a case the astros are uh you know certainly making their way up uh, towards and i know this you all like this but they're making their way up toward yankee status as one of the most uh hated ball clubs
0: Now, uh, my math might be off here, but I would say that they're about 26 consecutive years (laughs) away. And you know what? That's the other thing. They had 2017, quote, asterisk, however you want to label it. And it's the same thing whenever Red Sox fans heckle Yankees fans about that they've been the more recent successfully team. That's true. You can't deny that. But what makes the Yankees so special and so hated is that on average, every 10 years, you're going to get a Yankee winner. That's why this decade was so shocking. People were shocked that the Yankees didn't win one World Series in 10 years. So my message to Houston is, you know what? Win 15 more and maybe Yankees fans won't look in your direction. Win five of them fairly, I dare you. Good luck.
1: You know what? This is, this is the makings of a great American League rivalry. And I'm here for it as a neutral bystander. So, uh, yeah, there's a uh, – you know, once things start heating back up and when we can focus our minds solely on baseball, uh, these questions are going to come back. And, you know, make no mistake about it, there are going to be some Yankees that – will not sugarcoat things. And once some of these quotes kind of leak out into the press and there's going to be a war of words, uh, next thing you know, things are going to get a little hairy between the Yankees and the Astros, and uh, I think everybody's kind of ready for that.
0: I think you're going to see one of two things with the Yankees in this modified season. You're either going to see kind of a shocked and awed ball club about the situation, which will likely be happening around the league as we've discussed about just the nature of playing, or you're going to have the most frustrated players in Major League Baseball exhaust their frustrations in hits, in strikeouts, in just a put-away, merciless 82 games. You're going to get one or the other. You're not going to get any middle ground. You're either going to see one of the most intense, especially because it's such a, a short term season you're gonna see one of the most aggressive Yankees teams or one of the most mild mannered one or the other.
1: Yeah and I think uh I think a lot of Yankees fans will be hoping for the former option that you just listed. Um this is going to be a sprint and you know the Yankees have a lot to prove obviously and you know they knew the expectations that were on them coming in here. And with every passing day of no baseball you know, those expectations kind of grow a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So if opening day does come around in July and they realize that, hey, guys, we only have half a season, uh, yeah, you you better believe that uh, they're going to be coming out guns a-blazing.
0: You're certainly right about that. And the other added element to it, like with Notre Dame winning one for the Gipper, with the manager from Major League Two, you know, with everything going on in New York, there is this win your city the title. We are New York. We are strong. In the face of adversity, we get up and we win the effing World Series. That, that to me, is the attitude that should be coming out of this right now.
1: You know, that's a great rallying cry. Um, and I think when things calm down and the players realize that they are safe and that the season can go off without a hitch. Um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, both New York teams are probably going to be thinking that um, there's nowhere in the United States that's been hit harder. And I think that they, more than anybody, they want to give the people around here a reason, to smile and cheer and be excited. And uh, cause there really hasn't been a lot of that lately. You know, we've kind of been cooped up here in our closed rooms and, kind of waiting for the day where we can get the all clear and go see our family or our favorite teams or, you know, go to our favorite restaurant. And, you know, it's, who knows how long that's going to be, but, you know, I think uh, a lot of New York baseball players and other New York athletes, they're going to have that mindset where, Hey, you know, we can help kind of heal or take everybody's mind off, which we've had discussions about in the past, you know, Sports has that power.
0: You know, the athletes are going through this too. The athletes see what it's like that Manhattan in many times has been a ghost town. You know, athletes that live within the city limits hear the people cheering for first responders. It's not like in other markets that haven't been damaged so much. I mean, Houston especially, you think that they're dealing with this like we are? To them, they're probably out in the ranches, in the city outskirts, in the city limits, just doing their normal thing. New York, it just, it just feels like, okay, you really made it personal now.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a good point. And uh, I think that's where a lot of this stems from when you turn on the news and there are people out there protesting or you know, storming uh, town hall or city hall. Uh, There's a certain degree of ignorance that comes with this where uh, people really can't look past themselves. And, you know, obviously MLB players are in the thick of this and they see it, and, um, you know, a a few of them have gone on record saying that uh, they don't feel great about rushing back to play, and I totally get that, Um, you know, to each their own. Um, But as long as – and I think I'd rather have that I think I'd rather have people saying, you know what, let's make sure we take our time and get this right. Um, You know, whether it's a guy like Zach Wheeler who said it, or Bryce Harper, or Sean Doolittle. um, You know, especially Sean Doolittle. He's been uh, one of the most outspoken players where he knows the ramifications that come with this, and he knows the risks, and uh, what can be undone just by getting people in the ballpark. Um, So you know, I think it's important where everybody kind of needs to, you know, take a second, look away from themselves, you know, look away from the mirror and kind of just take stock in the rest of the country or your own surroundings, something like that. Um, and I think that'll put things into perspective. And I I would certainly like to think that, you know, those who are in charge of this country, and I won't name names because that's another uh, can of worms for another time. Um, You know, I think once they kind of realize that, uh, you know, kind of figure out that there are lives at risk, and it's not just hyperbole, it's actually happening, um, you know, they can come to a rational decision rather than rush, 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 and we need baseball or we need the economy or... Uh, we need people to get haircuts. I mean, uh, you know, some of it's so stupid at the end of the day. Um, you know, that you'd risk your well being or the well being of the people you love, uh, just for a semblance of life before this. Um so yeah, it's uh you know, this is uh this is weird. It's a weird time and uh I I wish I had an answer on how we can get through it. I think all all of us wish we had answers and um you know, as much as I'd love to see Major League Baseball get back to it and, uh, you know, kind of take our minds off it, it's it's great that, you know, I don't want to say it's great, but I, I think it's important that the players have been through this and they, they've they seen the effect that it's had and, and, you know, some of them have been personally affected by it. So, um, you know, it, it brings a degree of um, sympathy, I guess you would say, to it. Um, here we are just hoping we can kind of get it right. And we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with you full fledged, 100%. And although people can't see me right now, I will say if anyone is antsy to go get their hair cut, a backwards hat and a beard like Forrest Gump, when he runs across <laughs> the country is nothing to be ashamed of right now. And I'm doing the same thing. And, you know, it's almost like the anti-playoff beard Like the quarantine beard, you know, embrace it. Embrace that this is what's going on and you can't wait to shave in a way. You know, it's it's opposite. Usually the beard is good luck, but but embrace it for what it is and take it in stride. And all that I can say is imagine baseball restarting only to stop again. And how awful and how miserable that's going to feel. If this is prematurely brought back, imagine players getting sick. Imagine players' families getting sick. And then all of a sudden, up, oh, hit the brakes, we have to stop again. Do it the right way. If it takes time, it takes time. We have to accept that. It's not something to be thrilled about, but it's something you need to come To terms with. Now, right now, I have in the background on as we're doing this, MLB Network right now is showing a literal entire day of New York Yankees' best pitching performances, of perfect games, no hitters, etc. Right now, they have the David Cohn game on. There is stuff to occupy your mind. And again, it's not live, it's not perfect, but fortunately, we had about how many uninterrupted years of a steady sports flow, would you say?
1: I mean, really, uh, geez, what, we had, a, we had a little strike in the NBA, uh, and that was, a, that was a few years ago. Uh, we had the NHL strike in 2004, uh, the MLB strike in 94. We've been lucky. Uh, you know, there's, there's really never been a time – uh In my lifetime or my father's lifetime, or even his father's lifetime, that sports has been halted like this um so yeah we've been we've been incredibly lucky where sports have been able to survive and thrive a litany of uh cataclysmic events and national tragedies and wars and famine and and disease um so yeah, you know it's a tough break that we gotta go through it now but Yeah, like you said, just take a step back and, you know, realize that it would be absolutely demoralizing if baseball came back or if any sport came back and they were forced to postpone it again because that would be the death blow. Then you know that you are not getting sports at all this year. Um, So, you know, that's something to take into consideration where, you know what, maybe wait a a little bit while – longer now so you don't have to wait until say the spring of 2021 to see a professional sporting event
0: and this is where it's also on us the more we are well behaved that's the only way you can say it like as you're referencing protests and and people going crazy the more we behave ourselves the more we follow the rules the more we save lives by watching yankees classics or mets classics or whatever it is and just limit our outside involvement, we're getting sports back quicker. So this is like, I know in World War II, it was like growing the victory gardens and stuff like this. Like, grow the victory beard. Stay inside. <laughs> really, I mean, that's how you compare it. The more yeah. we help the situation, because it is on each of us. Each of us can bring this to a resolution quicker and safer by being patient and by being responsible. And guess what? We get the fun back when we do this. We win. We benefit.
1: That's how it is. It'll all be worth it in the end, I promise. And, you know, you you kind of just alluded to it. We got to talk to, you know, people need to be talking to like children in times like this because for some reason there's just – so many of them that just do not want to get it. Uh, so we got we to gotta make it super cut and dry for them. Uh, and, and hopefully that, you know, there is a person with such clout and such influence uh, to do so. Uh, to really kind of get that message across because uh, there's a lot of people out there right now where you kind of just want to take them and, and, and give them a good shake and ask them what, what the heck they're thinking.
0: Yeah, and with the people that are going bananas, for lack of a better word, with this, you know, for the most part, they're not in the city. They're not in the real epicenter of what's going on. And you almost, like you said, you want to shake them. You almost want to say, "Fine, you want to you want to be outside. You want to be in public, and you just drag them into New York City. Show them what an ER looks like right now. You'll know, put them on the front lines and say." Oh, yeah, but sorry, you couldn't go get your pizza. And I'm a food reporter.
1: Like, Yeah, yeah. Their, their tune's going to change really quick. I promise you that.
0: So just watch some classic games. Imagine, you know, and I know this is something a lot of people were doing around March Madness. Oh, yeah, and Joe, a, a personal note about how you and I can maintain mental fortitude about this. I'll let you take this one. Uh, There was something pretty exciting that was going to happen in the NCAA men's basketball tournament this year, was there not?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say so. Um, Both of our alma maters. uh, Hofstra University was supposed to make the big dance this year. Well, they did make the big dance. They won their conference for the first time in 20 years. Uh, It was finally their trip to the promised land, man. We made it. All that weight, all that heartbreak for all the years and the scandals and the firings and the, oh, all of it. The overtime it.
0: loss in 2016 in the finals?
1: Oh, God, it was brutal. It was brutal. And finally, this was it. And and you know what? Exactly. You want to talk about people ruining their bad luck or making the realization or, or, or pondering that the, that the world has it out for them or the sporting gods have it out for them. You know, just think about Hofstra, man. Like, they had it. You know, they, they cut down the nets. They won their conference. They were going to the NCAA tournament. And three or four days later, the tournament was. I mean, yeah. if that isn't just a big, uh, you know, middle finger by the sporting gods to you, I mean, that hurts. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Since I graduated, I haven't followed my program as closely as, I, as I've wanted to. Um, but you know, I know a number of diehard hoster fans, man, that, you know, this was it and they've been following the program since, you know, they've been in college in the eighties and nineties. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was such a tough pill to swallow. But again, it, it's difficult, but it has to happen. So, you know, you feel bad, but at the same time, sometimes those are the breaks.
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right, and I remember the night after they beat Northeastern to win the CAA for the first time ever because they used to play in the American East Conference when Jay Wright coached for them before taking the head job at Villanova. The next day, I was in Hempstead on Long Island interviewing Coach Joe Mahalik, Dejir Bowie, and Eli Pemberton, the, the two stars that led them to it. And then about 12 hours later, the world got canceled. The Big East stopped mid-game, literally, and then just league after league shut down. And and then this thing really, within like 72 hours after that, at first it was, you know, jokes about like day eight without sports and everything. And then it just kind of became like, oh my gosh, people are dying. This is not something to joke about anymore. This has become something legitimate, and it's just a a very surreal time, but again, at first, of course, I, just like you, I was bitter, I was like, I can't believe this happened, this is such Hofstra luck, they actually do it, they have one of the best games ever, one of the best seasons ever, and it's not going to be remembered, and then within 72 hours, you put that in perspective, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is how bad the situation is, that's nothing now, People are at risk. Our city is hurting. And to the people that aren't doing their part to make it better, it may not be your family if you're not in New York, but it's our families. When you do things like that, you put our families at risk. Knock it off. Really. And I don't mind coming out sharp and opinionated on that knock it off, keep us safe
1: really couldn't couldn't have said it better myself i mean it's you know this it's the world we live in unfortunately, and uh you know everybody looks out for old number one, but you know every once in a while you gotta think of the guy or the gal next to you so you know let's uh let's just get it together and uh you know listen. The numbers have been promising the past few days. You know, numbers have been going down here in New York, and that's great news, but that doesn't mean let up. Just keep it going. uh, You know, it'll be worth it in the end, I promise.
0: Of course, pour it on now. And my biggest thing, and this is something I've been advocating for publicly, if we can get it together within the next couple of weeks or months, we're probably going to lose 4th of July or have a, Very modified, socially distanced barbecue of about 12 people, if that's even allowed. Again, no one really knows. If we can get it together, why not make the days leading up to Halloween, like National Party Week, National Holiday Week, where you take one day for St. Patrick's Day, one day for the 4th of July, and then go straight into Halloween and just have a three-day, almost sanctioned party holiday. St. Patrick's Day makeup, 4th of July makeup, straight into Halloween. And then we do this from now on. It's like pouring yeah. one out, in a way.
1: It's a great way for people to blow off steam, because they're going to have to when this is all over. You know, uh, I think that's going to be difficult for a lot of folks, where they've kind of been cooped up inside without seeing everybody or all their friends or the people they love. Uh, and then I think when, you know, we do get the green light where social distancing is going to be relaxed and, you know, there is a shred of normalcy that can come back to everyday life. Um, you know, a lot of it is going to be okay. Well now you have to go back to work. And, uh, you know, there are there are people going through a lot right now and, uh, you know, it's—I uh, I don't want to say I, I come from a place of experience here, but you know, uh, an event like this—it um, does a lot to a lot of people uh, in terms of their mental well-being and their mental health. And um, you know, it's this is one big source of anxiety for a lot of folks. And you know, it's just the way the world is. Some people are better at handling it than others, and. It's through no fault of their own. Some people, you know, we're just, some of us are wired one way and some of us are wired a different way. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, But I think it's imperative where once we do get, you know, kind of society restored in a way, um, I think it's important that people are given ample opportunity to see everybody who they've been missing, uh, you know, uh i have you know I, I i'm engaged i'm engaged to be married in november i really haven't seen my fiance much at all for the past 2 months um you know and and i know i'm not the only one um you know people are away from their parents away from their grandparents uh, away from their best friends and and close friends that are basically their family um so it's you know it, it's it's really important just to kind of get everybody starting on that right foot. Um, Just allow them to get with their people, get with their tribe, get with their clan, um, and just kind of blow it all out. You know, have those three days, party it up, make up for lost time, Um, you know, just be at each other's table. And uh, yeah, and then we can kind of attack and and really hit the bricks and, 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 and get to work.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And like you said about you're getting married and you can't even see your fiance. My case to that, my grandmother passed away right before Christmas and my grandpa, who is still with us, had to spend his first Easter alone in over 70 years, right after his wife of almost 70 years passed away. Of course I called him. It wasn't the same, but it hits home for all of us, even if we're not directly sick. But I would much rather that feeling than to know that me or the person bringing us food or whatever put him at risk to be sick. It's tough, but the more we do now, maybe I could see my grandpa for Christmas then hopefully your wedding goes off without a hitch. There are bigger things in perspective. And the more we do now, the better our future is going to be. And I, I don't mean to sound preachy. Like I'm going to do a, we are the world song, but the more we're doing right now is going to impact the weeks and months to come when we actually have a shot at turning this thing around.
1: Exactly. End yep. a story. Yep. And, uh, Wow, look at us. From a sport podcast to uh to some deep life stuff, man. Not bad. Hey,
0: that's what sports is. I mean, what did Jimmy Valvano <laughs> say? You sh- everyday you should laugh, you should think and you should cry. Well, uh, sports make us cry, sometimes they make us laugh, and they certainly make us think. Running the trifecta. That's
1: right? Preach away.
0: Of course, and if for nothing else, if you got nothing else going on, the more you behave get baseball back get hockey back get football back heck you might be able to go to a game not right now but down the road would not you want to do that
1: I think anybody would trade for that exactly anybody would want that
0: exactly and that's that's what it means to all of us anyway we could we could keep doing this for hours we have in the past and we'll continue <laughs> to um, Joe on baseball on the thought of it coming back any final thoughts
1: Uh, no, you know, it's, um, obviously for the fans, don't expect this spitty resolution as, uh, as we saw on Monday, uh, the major league players association really through no fault of their own. Um, they're going to just slow the process down a little bit to make sure that the players are being fairly compensated, um, that they're being protected and obviously that they are going to be ensured their health and safety. Um, so again, those are three things that anybody would want when they're going back to their job. So, um, you know, don't think that they're selfish or greedy. It's, you know, it's just how labor negotiations are. So, uh, you know, I I don't want to say practice a little more patience. I know that's difficult, but uh, it's going to have to be for now. And hopefully within the next few days we get some good news and uh, baseball can safely return Uh, And at least you guys can have something to watch uh, for in the summer, or at least you can listen on your radio in the backyard during the summer. So fingers crossed, everybody.
0: Absolutely. Fingers crossed. And, you know, people can, in ways, try to make their viewing experience simulate like that of a ballpark. You know, you could sell yourself a $10 hot dog. You can, almost like a like a sitcom, you can have laugh tracks or cheer tracks. You know, make it fun. Make it creative. Acknowledge what is. Just do it the right way and do it safely. It's important. But, you know, Joe, once again, thank you for coming on. We're going to be talking very soon. And when we have updates on other leagues and other things going on, be sure to talk to you more about that. And stroll down memory lane to those that are getting antsy. We will do reminiscing shows I know something that we've teased is talking about the greatest game ever played between two New York teams and I think maybe next time we talk about that a little bit more
1: yes sir can't wait for that And as always thank you for having me Alex
0: of course Joe absolutely good luck with everything and hopefully I will see you in a press box soon enough
1: oh sounds good I can't wait for that day
0: me neither take care Joe all right you too And that was AM Rush Sports. Thank you all for listening. And remember, we play a part in this too. We can get things back to normal quicker as long as we're doing the right things. So New York, hang tough out there. Hopefully baseball's coming back soon. Hopefully other sports can follow. And if we do the right things, we're one step closer to being able to go to a game again. So New York, this is AM Rush Sports. I'm Alex Mitchell. Remember, wash your hands.